Welcome back to the Lone Star Lowdown. I'm Ty Henderson. We got Shea Holt, Corey Guidry. One day we'll get it right. I, I hope so. <laughs> uh, we got a little NBA Finals talk. Uh, we're heading back to Boston. Uh, Golden State Warriors are holding a 3-2 lead. Shea, what else we got this episode? Oh, we're going to have a College World Series preview. Longhorns headed back to Omaha for their 38th trip. Um, we'll have a little NHL talk. We got, our, we got ourselves a Stanley Cup. And, um, you know... Few other things here from the world of Major League Baseball and uh, a little bit of NFL, a little bit of NFL news for us. I mean, the NFL is always it's a it's a beast. It's always it's always going, man. It is keen. There's always news say. coming out of it. Uh, but yeah, let's start off with a little finals talk. Um, we're th- we're at three two. We're one game away from the Warriors capturing the NBA title, and Shea's prediction of Warriors and six being correct. Well, that was your prediction, prediction, right? Uh, that's what I said. Oh, well, he is, he is a fortune teller. I've, I've dealt with him for many years, and he, he tends to get these things right. But my first question for y'all, do y'all think Jason Tatum has played up to expectations in this NBA Finals? Do you think um, he's ta- his shot selection's been good, bad? What, what are y'all's thoughts? Well, I, I think he's played uh, very well in the Finals. Um, you know, I'm impressed that Boston's already won two games. Uh you know, you look at his stat line. He's uh, averaging right around twenty six points a game or so, uh, maybe a little under that actually. I'm just doing the math in my head, uh, looking at his stat line. But he went for twelve, twenty eight, twenty six, twenty three, and twenty seven. And you know, that's not hitting you know in the thirties. But you I mean, can't that's... you can't be scoring twelve points as the number one guy in the NBA Finals. That's terrible. Yeah, but I think they won that game. Did they? <laughs> that was game one. Dude. Oh, was that was the game? Okay, that was the game with Horford, Derek White, and Marcus Smart all hitting their threes in the fourth quarter. I think Horford went five from six for, from three in that game. That's not going to happen, which it hasn't happened again. Yeah, unlike I mean, they started off like zero for eleven last night from three. Uh, over Celtics 12. did over twelve. Yeah, I mean, and then they rattled off eight shots. You know, eight, eight three point shots in a row. The Warriors didn't shoot well either. I think they were like nine for forty for the game, but. Two way Wiggins, man. Back, back to Jason Tatum, though. Back, let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves right. here. Uh, honestly, I think he has been playing below expectations uh, for the general public. I've never really seen Jason Tatum as a number one guy, a guy that can win you an NBA Finals. Obviously, he's gotten his team there. He's proven all the doubters wrong, played through injuries. But I still don't think he's the guy that, that can pull it off, you know? He's undoubtedly the best player on the Boston Celtics, though, right? Yes, uh, I would say so. And a lot not of, every game. So. That that is a part of the problem. But you got to give Wiggins some credit, big man. Two way Wiggins. Uh, before last night's game, I know Jason shot about fifty percent, but he was shooting thirty four percent for the whole series, and only like twenty seven percent in the second half. He was doing worse in the second half than in the first half. I think you got to give Wiggins a lot of. So you think it's more uh, to the Warriors' defense than anything? Like Andrew Wiggins balling out on on both sides of the floor. You know, it's tough because if you're a superstar like Tatum, that's not an excuse, right? If you want to be, like some people anoint him as like a top five player. Like if you're a top five player, then. There's no way. you Right, but, you know, some people have their opinions and whatnot. Um, I've I'll, seen those articles. They're, they're, they're out there. And a lot of the times, you know, when the if the Boston Celtics were to win, who would get the most of the credit? Jason Tatum. So it's only fair that if you're going to be the best player, that if your team is going to lose, you're going to get 
the bulk of the credit, unless you're, I mean, the uh, the bulk of the blame, unless you're like LeBron, who just carried these, you know, trash bags of a team to the finals, you know, back in his day. The Celtics actually have good players, good enough to win. They're far deeper right now. Yes, they're, the they're much, but they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. Like, they, they have a good coach, they have a good system. So he's going to get a lot of the blame if they lose, and rightfully so. So do you think they have any chance to come back, and what are your expectations for Jason Tatum moving forward in the series? Well, I'd, I was the only one who predicted him to actually win, so I'm going to pick him to uh, defend home court in Game 6, you know, in front of the uh, the Boston Garden, but it's going to be tough, man. Game 7 in Golden State. I know LeBron did it. You know, he beat him in Game 7 in Golden State with the Cavs, but this Celtics team does not have a LeBron James on their team. So my prediction we're in murky waters uh, for it to come true. But, you know, I still believe uh, if maybe they get hot from three, anything can happen. But uh, I think the Warriors are, you know, clearly the favorites here. Jay? Obviously, I think the Warriors are going to win this next game I'm, cause I'm, just because I'm standing by my prediction. I think the Celtics might be dead in the water. And you see this from time to time in a series. Just look last year at uh, the Phoenix Suns. They went up 2-0 on the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Bucks rattled off four games on them. And uh, it kind of has to do with just the ebbs and flows of a final series. Um, and a team like Boston, who's very young still, getting to their first you know, really deep run in the playoffs with this squad, and a first-year head coach going up against a juggernaut like the Golden State Warriors. Dynasty. Yes, a dynasty. I don't care they don't have Kevin Durant. They've reloaded and retooled, uh, you know, I thought the clear favorite for the finals uh, to win the finals really when the season started, if anything else. Uh, But ultimately, I just think that they've reached their they've reached their mountaintop. I'm talking about the Boston Celtics, and they're just not going to be able to overcome uh, Steph Curry and the Warriors, especially with all those players uh, playing at such a high level. I'm talking about Andrew Wiggins. I'm talking about Poole. um, You know. Obviously, Thompson, Green, and Looney. Just and I disagree. I think the Warriors are way deeper than the Celtics tie. Just that's my opinion. We we can argue about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna say. I think how much the narrative has changed in like the national media since Game One, where the Celtics pulled off that win in in San Francisco. Everyone had, had anointed the Celtics champions already, based off that the defense you're talking about, um, based off. I guess making a said, lot of threes. Jason Tatum only scored twelve points in Game One, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know. But he only scored 12 points and they win. That's looking like, oh, look at how good this whole squad yeah, is. Yeah, I guess, yeah, that's that's the point. Um, and I, uh, one, one more thing. I think, uh, um, what's old boy from Oklahoma State's name with the green hair? Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart, yes. I think he's had a really good series. But uh, Defensive player of the year, man. Defensive player of the year, and he's, uh, he's scoring at a pretty high clip for the caliber of player he is. Uh, good moves, getting to the basket and finishing. But I do think it has a lot to do with people key, the Warriors keying yeah. on Jason Tatum and Jalen. I think their I think their their plan is to make Marcus Smart beat them because he has a bit of a hero complex to him. Where he at the end of games he thinks he's a lot better than he is. And totally. He'll he'll just start jacking shots, and sometimes they fall, but more often than not, they they aren't falling, and that will lose the Celtics the game. And I think that's kind of the, another point why Jason Tatum Tatum hasn't. Um, lived up to expectations going into the series is because the defense has been keying on him and not allowing him to get the ISO looks to the rim, driving to the rim that he usually gets. He's been, he's been limited to three point pull-ups and step backs, which. And he's, his percentage off the dribble is not good either. 
Yeah. He, like, he, he, he's just all around around the rim. Like, all of his efficient numbers are just way down in this series. Yeah, can we pull those up, Shay? Efficiency numbers for who? Jason Tatum. But, yeah, yeah in the meantime, uh, Gary Payton had a big game last night. I think he had 15 points, five boards, a few dimes. He's been big for them coming back off that wrist injury. Yeah, and, you know, we talk about the Warriors. I don't think they get enough credit for how well they develop their in-house talent. And I know Gary is not in-house necessarily. I think he bounced around the G League a couple teams and whatnot. But all the guys like Poole, Looney, obviously Steph. Looney's Cole. been there. Yeah, but he's in-house. You know uh, yeah, I mean? yeah, to your point. But he, Looney, <laughs> let's not get too ahead of ourselves. Well, well he's a piece. Like, yeah, I'm not, that's true. I'm not putting him in, you know, the same categories as great no. players. But you need all I mean, role yeah, players to guys succeed. Guys are going to get better if you're playing with and around Stephen Curry even Andre Iguodala, Draymond Green. Well, he's just like the Udonis Haslam of the Warriors now, isn't he? Oh, he actually plays though. He does. He gets he gets his minutes. I mean, he can't make a shot to save his life, but I th- I'm pretty sure he's had a poster or two in this, these playoffs, and he's still a great defender. I think he's like 38 or 39 years old. Uh but yeah, I think that that will do it on the final stock. Y'all got anything else? Let's pull up those Jason Tatum efficiency numbers. You got him, Shay. I mean, I'm sitting here on basketballreference.com. I just don't see efficiency stats. I mean, is that something? Yeah, well, who even knows what those mean, anyways? Yeah, I like I, <laughs> you know, it, they don't have them. I mean, if they can't be good though, from just the eyeball test on Jason Tatum in this series. Uh, but yeah, any more? Anything well, else? On we can talk. Finals? A, we can talk about Steph Curry real quick. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot to even mention yeah. him. That streak ended. That he had 233 straight games with a three. Just insane, right? Done. Done. Yeah. I mean, what's that? Three seasons almost? From starting 2018. 82 games right? per season. I guess playoffs like, included, too. Um, that's crazy. I mean, they didn't they didn't go to the playoffs last year, but and he didn't they, play much. Like, he hasn't played. He's. This goes all the way back to 2013 where he's only missed. He's only had nine games where he hasn't made a three, which is incredible. He's been in the league since 2009. That is, the, the, it's be, insane. the beginning of his career, he wasn't the Steph Curry we all know today. He had a bunch of ankle injuries and stuff like that he had to work through. But still, that's crazy. So 233 what, games. So what do you think uh, it does for his legacy if he's able to win the finals MVP? Oh, I mean, his legacy is already solidified in my eyes. Um, he, he, he'll he's be known as a he's shooter. Top 10 player ever? You just think he's just a shooter? I mean, he'll be, he'll be remembered as a shooter. Like, I don't when know. you talk about I, Steph Curry... Yes, he's got great moves of the basket and finishing ability, and he's a good facilitator, but you, you'll talk about him in the essence of his three-point shot ability. Sure, that's that's Just what, like he, that's Reggie what, Miller. That's what set him apart, but he is he, – Reggie, when did Reggie Miller win a championship? He never did, but you know why it, you remember Reggie Miller? Not for any aspect of his game except his three-point ability and that time he scored all those points in nine seconds. Eight points, nine yeah, seconds. Steph is way better than Reggie Miller. Yeah, he's a top-five player right now all time is he top eyes. where do you put him all time like top 15 top five no no matter position all time player yeah i like that yeah he's in my top 10 for sure i don't even like steph but i can he's recognize greatness dude like he really is unbelievable. Have, you know firsthand as rockets fans playing what it's like playing him in a big time game and knowing no matter what you guys do out there on defense he's gonna get a shot off and there's a a more more than likely chance it's going to fall. Yeah, and even times, you know, he's been criticized for not performing well in clutch moments, but even, you know, whenever it is in the clutch moment, you always believe his shot's going in, especially if you're rooting for the other team and he gets it up. It could be the worst look you've ever seen. You believe it's going in, and that, that makes him dangerous. It's the same way. What I'm trying to say is, like, you remember Dominique Wilkins for his dunking ability. 
Nothing else about his game. Are you really. saying like his signature move? Is what yeah, you're saying. yeah, yeah. Like your fucking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar sky hook kind of shit. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he's a top five player all time. Uh, that's mostly because I'm thinking in my head, well, LeBron James is better than him. Kobe Bryant was better than him. You know, obviously you're gonna take Michael Jordan. Uh, I mean, I put Seth some, above what about some Kobe? of the big guys. You put Seth. You you put him above Kobe Bryant. Yeah. I put Kobe Bryant as the best player since Jordan. He's the best player of the generation. Uh, he, he was better than fucking Kobe. He's better than LeBron James. Uh, oh, if there was one player I was fucking scared of, it was Kobe Bryant. Okay? And I hate Kobe Bryant. I hate him way more than I hate Steph Curry. And But I can recognize greatness, and I know for a fact he's if he took the shots and worked on that part of his game that Steph has, he could have made those shots as well. Uh, he, was a, he was a fucking assassin. But he was inserted range. into... Lakers franchise, the dynasty that, that he didn't build, that Jerry West and Michael jo- M- Magic Johnson. What about after Shaq left, though? There was there was no Magic Johnson when Kobe got. No, there. I'm saying he jo- he landed in Los Angeles, and they were already established as one of the NBA's greatest franchises, if not the best. Them, you know, them and the Celtics. Sure, of course he got a, he got in a Steph, favorable situation. My, my point is Steph Curry. The Golden State Warriors weren't shit before Steph Curry. Well, Stephen I mean, Curry. at least at least they hadn't been for a long time. I mean, the Warriors are a very storied franchise going back to their days in Philadelphia. And you Will know. played for the Warriors. Will Chamberlain. Will did. Chamberlain. Um, yeah, but didn't fucking no, Rick you, Barry? Wait, no, not Rick Barry. Uh, Chris Mullen. Uh, that's the other white guy. But maybe Rick Barry played for them. I don't know. Yeah, but they had a lot of the old school white guys who were in, in the that modern top seventy five. Man, the modern, come on! In the modern NBA. They hadn't been relevant since like the Baron Davis team that uh, beat beat I'm the Mavs. Brought him up, you know. Big fan of that guy. I All mean, right. I hear you. I'm not going to argue Steph over Kobe or Kobe. I'll probably say Dude, there's Kobe no over fucking Steph. competition <laughs> in my mind. Like, I just I I hate to sit here and try to defend Kobe Bryant. Like, I was ready to come in here today because I was thinking about how how good Kobe Bryant was and argue Kobe over LeBron, which I believe. I don't just want to argue that for the sake of arguing it. I believe that. Okay, but there has not been a player in basketball that I have watched play. He's the greatest player I've ever seen, Kobe Bryant was. I didn't watch Michael Jordan in his prime. All right, Kobe Bryant, I mean, he was the guy. If at the end of the game you were scared, you know, you knew somebody was going to take the shot and you expected him to make it, it was Kobe Bryant. All right, I mean, he was, I, I just remember him too well, and, you know he lost it. He lost one finals to the Celtics and one to the to the Pistons. But dude won five NBA championships. Sure, three of them were with Shaquille O'Neal, uh, and sure there was always a great team around him. Need good players but, to win. But yeah, I mean he was he was the man. And and I am even of the opinion, and this might not be popular, that when he died, somehow his legacy even got inflated more than more than what it was. And I think that it's, you know, skewed because it was such a tragic, you know, death, not of just him, but, you know, his daughter, his daughter and all his other people who were in that, you know, helicopter with him. And, you know, I don't have any comments on that, but, uh, I mean, we're almost, we're almost forgetting about him all of a sudden Cause ah. just because he's not around the game anymore. But uh, back to this top five, definitely a top five point guard. But then again, I'm thinking of players like Tim Duncan from this generation. Hakeem? And like, oh, oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, Hakeem Olajuwon. I don't, I mean, I'm a big Hakeem Olajuwon fan, but again, I didn't get to watch him growing up. 
So I'm just trying to think of the players I've seen play. And if you want to, if you want to talk about the five players I've seen play, I'm also putting Kevin Durant over Curry. Uh, then maybe he's a top five player that I've witnessed. But all time NBA, there's just too many dudes. I mean, out it's there. all arbitrary. These lists, they're. We put them out there for us to argue. There's no other reason. No it makes it fun, though. That's what sports is all you, about, you know? How can you argue Tim Duncan versus Steph Curry? They're totally, totally exactly. different players. And different times. Yeah, too. you can never prove yeah. any of these things. That's, you know. All right, well, let's move on to some of more stories from the NBA. Um, what do we got here? Montrez <laughs> Harrell caught with three pounds of weed in North Carolina, a felony charge. What? What do y'all think about that? The Hornets seem like they're uh, they're sipping. I, I think reports have been coming out of there for the last year or so about their locker room and liking to have a little fun. Yeah, he seems like a fun guy to be around, doesn't he? I mean, he called he called Luca. Uh, what was it? B a w b a punk ass white boy in the back of the was, bubble. I think it's bitch, but it's all good. <laughs> oh, it means uh, the same thing. I don't. I don't. I thought it was punk ass white boy, but it might have been. Bitch you know, ass it, white boy. It might have. It definitely had white boy in it. That was the big thing <laughs> because you know, obviously, if anybody had said that to a black player, uh, well, you know, not call him a punk ass white boy, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, then there would have, you know, there would have been a suspension. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, probably Donaldson, ostracizing from the NBA. Donaldson got suspended a game for calling and that's the MLB. Tim Anderson. I that's mean, the yeah, MLB. MLB. It's a lot different than the NBA. Yeah, we're talking. I mean, we're just. I'll just say it. We're talking about a white man's league versus a black man's league. Yeah, or a La- it's a Latin, more of a Latin league, I would say. I wonder what the numbers on that are. Oh, uh, well, yeah. I mean, if you took all of Latin America and just you know Hispanics living in America, and you just you know you took that percentage versus you know white and African American players, yeah, I'd I'd be interested to see those stats. I'm sure, they're out there. I know the NBA ones and are Japanese and you know Eastern, yeah, uh, Eastern it's, Asian. It's definitely a more diverse. Sport, oh, yeah, we're getting a little, we're getting a little off topic here. here. Oh yeah, but yeah, I just thought it was funny. He's caught with all the weed. Do you think this has any impact on him, uh, his playing next year, or do you think this will all just be swept under the rug before next year starts? I don't think it does. I mean, there's players who have literally posted them sipping lean on Instagram. Um, you know that kind of stuff happens. So like, but I mean, he was actually caught. Right, there's charges, there's felony charges. Right, but. I mean, is that jail time? I also think he'll play. Again. I mean, I don't, I don't, I think. I mean, Jackson Hayes. Uh, the forward for the Pelicans in the middle of the year this year was Former on. Longhorn. Yeah, he's on video getting tased by police, and he's just eating it, standing up, not falling down. The guy's a tank, apparently. But yeah, that guy released like a couple months into the season, and you know, you never heard a peep about that. So he just kept playing like nothing happened. So I- I'm sure like there will be a fine or whatever. It is if it was something other than weed, maybe you know there'd be a, a cause for him not to play, but. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't we'll expect see. it to. We'll see. I'm, sh- him too bad. I'm sure we'll all forget about it in, in a few days or so. But <laughs> moving on, Zion Williams states that he wants to be in New Orleans and he wants to play for the Pelicans. Do you think he is lying, or do you think he's being truthful about this? I think he's got to say it. I mean, just just so he's not a crybaby, a problem child for the team. We see so many players just start bitching about where they're at. And it doesn't help what their teams can get for them. You know, like when players just decide to tell you what team they're going to get like to. Anthony Davis situation it, with the Pelicans. Exactly. And the Pelicans are a shithole of the NBA. I mean, they had they had Chris Paul back when they were the Hornets, and still, 
but they're just a place you don't want to get sent, similar to Sacramento or Minnesota. Wouldn't you put them above Sacramento, though? I mean, like, they did make the playoffs, you know. Well, they, they have a good roster. They, like, if Zion Williamson was on that team, I think there's a possibility they could have beat the Suns. Like, they, they've won two games. Oh, oh yeah, and uh, what's the kid from from LA? They got sent out there. Brandon Ingram. Ingram, yeah, he's a great player. They traded for CJ McCollum mid season. Yeah. Young defenders like Herb Jones, like. Oh yeah, in two K in two K twenty two the basketball game, they always in like the franchise mode, without a doubt every year in the first like three years they are in the championship or winning it because they got all them the young features. players. It blows my because <laughs> no, there's no injuries. His Zion's obviously playing, but it blows my mind every time and I don't understand it. It's and not very accurate. The two K game probably gives credence to Zion Williamson developing into this great player that this is the usually NBA like year, year really, one though. Really want him to be. Well I just mean uh Zion Williamson uh was the most touted player coming out of college that I can remember. Since LeBron James. Probably since LeBron James. And he's been overshadowed by John ja Morant. Who's just, you know, blown up in Memphis and is in the talks of being a top you know, a superstar, a five player generational player. talent, you know, and Zion Williamson's just been overweight, injured. There's been controversy about him actually getting on the court and playing uh, talks about his motor, his weight. Yeah. His, yes. His weight and his uh, health. And I mean, maybe he's just eating all that food down there in New Orleans. You know, like for, one thing I will say that is New Orleans is a lot better than those other shitholes I was naming in yeah. terms of like. New Orleans is one of the most fun cities in America. It's one of my favorite places to get to visit. Exactly. I mean, you can, you know, you're up twenty four seven. Yeah, no a, rules. A I always tell people place. that. I always tell my my younger siblings that they're about to. One's in college, and two of them are about to be in college. And I tell them, "Hey, Mardi Gras, you got to go." And they're like, "Why?" No laws. Exactly. You can bring a handle into a bar. You can smoke a blunt in a bar. You can do whatever you want. Fuck a bar on the street. Yeah, no. Yeah, you can walk out. <laughs> you can walk into a bar. Grab a drink and be like, "All right, peace." I'm and, and just walk out. It's the greatest thing ever. But moving on, uh, do we have anything else from the NBA? Nothing. All right. Well, that wraps up the first segment of the Lone Star Lowdown. We'll be back with some NFL talk. We're gonna talk a little Kyler Murray, some Cowboys, uh, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson. Uh, we'll we'll see what we got in store for y'all. All right. We'll be right back with the Lone Star Lowdown. All right, guys. Ty here to talk about Joker Designs. Check out JokerDesigns.com. Joker Designs, high-quality, American-made smoking accessories. Man, when I want to take a rip something, I'm using a Joker, that's for sure. The Joker modular water pipe, patented modular water pipe, that is, allows for easy cleaning and unlimited customization. All week, they're running a 15% Father's Day discount. Use the code DAD420 to receive 15% off all items at checkout. Go get you some. Back with the Lone Star Lowdown. Going to get into some NFL for the next uh, couple minutes here. Texas native Kyler Murray has been clamoring for a pay raise, a new contract. Uh, what do you guys think? Does he deserve to be the highest paid quarterback in the league? Man, there's there's no way I would ever pay a quarterback that's under six six foot tall. So you're not a believer? I hate Kyler Murray. I've hated him since he played for Allen. He's a little whiny bitch. He's never done anything but whine and try to elevate his position 
even on his own team, he's not a good teammate. We've talked about this before on the show. He's always smug on the sideline. He's, is he a bit of a brat? Is that the yes? Thing? He's a brat, and this yes, I'm biased. I'm a Texas fan. I this is a guy that was committed. Was he committed to A and M at one point too? He went, he to, went to A and M. He year. went to A and M. Yeah, I'm thinking Jalen Hurts. He went to A and M, and then went to OU. Is there ever been someone worse? I guess a few guys have done the opposite from OU, but. No, he does not deserve to get paid, but he will get paid because the NFL is a quarterback desperate league where if a guy has a glimpse of being anything positive for you, he's going to get paid. We've seen this with Jimmy G. We've seen this with Tannehill. Tannehill. Uh, just get, my, mediocre guys getting paid. Kirk Cousins. Yeah. My thing is I definitely believe Kyler Murray's better than those guys we just named. Uh, I think he's borderline top ten. A lot of people would put him higher than I would, so I'm with you on that. But the thing is with paying these quarterbacks, they had the Arizona had the number one pick, right, because they sucked. And now they have Kyler, and they're in the playoffs or competing for the playoffs. And you might not think he's the guy to get you the Super Bowl, but it's like what is the alternative? You know, like are they just going to be bottom feeders if they – decide not to pay him for the next five years until they find someone serviceable? Or, like, like what is the move if you don't pay him? But he definitely expects to have this kind of Deshaun Watson kind of deal where it's fully guaranteed or 90% of it's guaranteed. And this is a guy that's been hurt the past two years. At the that's end of the point. season, when it means most, and guys like Colt McCoy are coming in and winning you games, does it really – I think Colt McCoy went 3-1 and one or 3-2 and two last year. A winning record under the, with the same guys around you. And you're not you're not performing in the playoffs. You're not you're not winning Super Bowls. Shay, do you think Kyler Murray can win a Super Bowl? Oh yeah, you Kyler th- Murray is the greatest high school player I've ever seen play. I knew from the first time I ever saw him play when he was a sophomore at Allen that he would get all of it. He would be the first pick. He would win Heisman trophies. I, it was clear to me. He was just he, he revolutionary at the quarterback position with his speed and his accuracy. Uh, I know the only thing going against him is his size, but we've seen Russell Wilson win and make it back to the Super Bowl. Now, um, can he do it in Arizona? I don't know. Obviously, it didn't work out at A&M, and he had to go to play for Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma before it all worked out for him, and he was turned into a Heisman-caliber college player, uh, you know, first pick overall. Um, you know, uh, I don't. I think he started that string of – Fucking what Heisman finalist, Heisman winner out of Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Uh, I mean, I just I know how great Kyler Murray is. Now, Baker yeah. was before him. Oh, okay, yes, he he was the the first transfer after him, but the very next year. And I mean, yes, played with a great team. I think that uh, he's been part of a complete rebuild in Arizona, even with Cliff Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know if Cliff Kingsbury is a coach to win you a Super Bowl, but Kyler Murray's still young. Yes, he's been banged up at the end of the year. Yes, he had an embarrassing performance against the division rival in the wild card weekend last season. Probably one of the worst playoff debuts you'll ever see. Uh, I think he'll grow from all that, and yeah, you know his uh, his dad played uh, what he played baseball, right? Isn't his dad play baseball? Yeah, and Kyler Murray was a first round draft pick for the A's. Exactly, and he he acted at times like he might go play. No, that's part of the reason he he's almost using that as leverage against the NFL and against the Cardinals as being like, oh, you know, yeah, I could just go play baseball. You know, I was I'm good at that too. He is good. I've seen him play baseball okay, here yeah, in Texas. Okay, but everything you just told me is. Him being good in high school, him being good in college, I I've seen him. I've He's seen rising fl- to the occasion. Yeah, those kind of guys can flash in the NFL. We've seen Baker Mayfield flash in the NFL. We've seen he. I I don't think he'll ever reach like a Dak Prescott 
level oh, for me. Yeah, but I don't think Baker Mayfield has ever played to the level that Kyler Murray has in his career. Like he's flash though. He's flash, but consistently, like Kyler. I mean, they won. What were they? The number two seed in the NFC? No. Oh, because they lost. No, the they were a wild card. They, they, they were, were like eleven and zero. Yeah, they but were then like they lost a bunch of games. Right, but. And if you look at his numbers, like I know numbers don't tell the full story, but they're pretty elite. And they like, didn't compare to Baker's at least. They didn't have DeAndre Hopkins in that playoff game, right? Didn't they? Didn't he miss the end of last year? With yeah, he, he was hurt. He was off and on the field at and, the end of last year too. And I know he's going to miss six games, but you get you get Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins, pro- possibly one of the best one-two receiving punches in the NFL to a guy like Man. Kyler Murray, who's very smart. He's very smart and he's very mobile, and they had a really good thing going last season. Uh, who was that running back that that, that scored? I think maybe James Conner. Yeah, James Conner and Chase a, Edmonds is had a, nice a one renaissance too. year. Uh, they've got a good offense, man, and they got some good young defenders. Um, I don't know if it's enough to yes win the Super Bowl, but leadership. I'll tell you right no now, no leadership. Though, go ahead and prepare yourself because he's getting paid. They're going to resign. He's got. I said at the end of this, he's going to get paid. Yeah. I don't think he should. He should get like a Baker Mayfield deal, the one he's on right now. He's been playing on eighteen, nineteen, twenty million dollars a year for the past few years. You just can't. It. It just doesn't. That it's not going to happen. Too high, it's not like, going to happen. Yeah, especially after Deshaun Watson just got paid. Yeah, we can transition into that now, Corey. How many? How many cases you got against him? Or alleged? How cases? many women? How many women have alleged? I think it's uh, harassment against shoot, him. It's going up every day. What is it like? Twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven now. What's the sixty three number? We that's how many appointments he made in like the that's, span of a that's year. That's how many women were brought in to massage and suck his dick. <laughs> yeah, that's just not the ones that have had a problem with it or want to you know yeah, uh, the other forty squeeze him for anything. <laughs> so I I I haven't read into the details of this. Obviously, I I know something is wrong here. I think uh, I. I want to give everyone a chance, but I'm having a really hard time giving him a chance with all this news coming out every day. Uh, I don't think he's going to start the NFL season. He might not even play this year. Um, but so, what can you explain to me? Are these women? Do they know before they're going into this what that they're going to do something sexually with Deshaun Watson, or is it the issue that they're showing up thinking they're giving him a massage, and then it ends up being a happy ending kind of situation? So what I know is that pretty much all of these instances were in Houston, and a lot of them, it was basically there was there was a a middle a middleman, which was a middle woman, setting a lot of these appointments up. I don't uh, have those names, but you know a lot of these girls ha- were briefed on who was coming in or who they whose house they were getting sent to or you know whoever they were meeting at this hotel. Uh, and yeah, like it was pretty much outlined. I mean, obviously that's not all just out for, you know, all that information is not just out there, Yeah. but it, it seems clear to me that most of these women had some idea of what was going on. And even if he went out, he went out rogue on whatever app that was where you could get a massage. I didn't even see that. Oh yeah. Apparently there was some app he was going on where, and a lot of these women were not licensed either, uh, masseuses, um, but yeah, he was just having these uh, encounters or whatever, and and then yeah, he just. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously, if there was any, uh, we were talking about rapes, then that's a very serious issue. I just don't think that's what was going on. Totally, I think in a lot of these instances, it was explained what was expected. And this is Deshaun Watson. This is probably the most famous man in the city of Houston. They're also, just because you know what's happening going in, you can still say no and there'll be an issue there. I think that's more 
or the problems have. Maybe they are expecting to do some something sexually, and it progressed to a point where they became uncomfortable. I feel like that's more than likely what was going on in most of these situations. Probably so. Because he's definitely, if 63 women, if we know about that, or 63 meetings, or whatever whatever it is, there's definitely more than that, and it seems like this guy might be a little se- more sexually charged than the average person. But if you were one of those women, and that had just happened to you, wouldn't you feel, and there was now this lawsuit growing, wouldn't you also just want to go ahead and jump in on it, even if nothing uncomfortable, quote-unquote, had happened? It's embarrassing to have your name out there like that. You're attached publicly to this nationwide story. But what if you can get a million dollars and you were an unlicensed masseuse? Personally, yes, I would do it. But these girls probably have families. They don't want to know that they were involved. I'm sure most of them, like you said, weren't masseuses, and they were just probably pretty girls that were getting ringed into this weird sexually perverted situation that they found themselves in. This underworld into. of rich dudes getting tug jobs yeah. a la well, Robert Kraft? No, this is the baseline. Obviously, there's way worse shit that happens out there that we don't know about or ever hear about. But, yeah. Uh, do y'all think he's going to play this year? Or ever? I don't think he's going to play this year. I mean... And uh, and if he and if he doesn't play ever again or doesn't play this year, does he still get that money? Yes. He signed a guarantee. There's got to be something right? in that contract that's it's, like, okay, hey, man, yeah. if you're if you're charged with this shit, we're if you go not to jail for the next you. five, you know, yeah. If if not, then that would be the most Cleveland but thing ever to happen. If he plays, like it's a, I mean, that was the reports. It was fully guaranteed contract. So a guaranteed contract means once you sign, that's your money. So yeah, but there's a million different things that can void these contracts. There's well, like, then it's the, not fully guaranteed. The contracts, that's the whole point of the contract. <laughs> the contracts that get voided for you better make sure no, a man but, gives him that physical. That's all I'm saying. But that's the whole point, real quick. I'm sure that's already taken. That's place. the whole point of the guaranteed contracts. Is in the NFL, they can be void. Like you sign your 23 mil, you that could be voided. The whole point of now, NFL is finally getting to players with fully guaranteed contracts. Okay, the whole for, point it is, can't is be voided guaranteed. for injury, right? Or cut what if he him. this guy goes and no, I'm with kills you. Kills someone. I'm with you there. I'm it's the, you. it's the same thing in the NBA. It's not like. But if he played two years, let's just say, and kills someone. That's all his money. I would well, think. he would get that initial money, right? That that two years he played. But a lot of it is before tiny. he killed someone. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We're we're going down a lot of hypothetical roads today. A lot of ranting. I love it. We can uh, do a whole players who killed people and still played segment later on. Yeah, well, we're we're in the future. In the future. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, speaking of Cleveland Browns QBs. Uh, news has come out this week that the Panthers are interested in Baker Mayfield, despite earlier reports of there there being no interest there. Y'all think that'd be a good fit? And if this move happens, how soon do we see it? I mean, it's a decent fit, but like, are you really upgrading over Sam Darnold? I mean, I know that might get a lot of pushback here, but you know, it's like, is that really an upgrade? I don't know. I mean, Baker's always had a ton of help when he has succeeded. Those Browns teams were, you know, had very good players. Panthers, not so much. So it's like, are they really taking a step forward if they do that, or is that just taking the step sideways in a way? I disagree. I think the Panthers do have some good weapons, and McCaffrey, even if he can stay healthy, and DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson's not there anymore. He's considering retirement. He's still there. He, I think he, he, uh, sucked he wanted year. to get traded. Still, uh, still a number one receiver. They had another rookie. They had another young guy breakout last year. Receiver. His name's escaping me right now. But I, I agree with you too, Shay. I, Back to the Kyler Murray thing, I think Baker Mayfield is, despite my hate for him, he's a great leader. 
I, I knew I know the there's rumors coming out of the Cleveland locker room that some of the guys didn't like him, but I think that's mainly it. when Odell was there, Jarvis. I, I don't think they liked him. And he's in too many commercials, man. He's way yeah, too no public one, a figure. No one likes that, but he's still he, his give a shit factor, as my old coach Todd Dodge would say, is extremely high. He gives a shit. He wants to be out there playing. He obviously he's. He's the face of State Farm or whatever, or Aflac. I don't even know what he's a part of now. And I'm sure those commercials were filmed when he was at a, a higher point in his career because he's not at that point anymore. But I think he still does have a chance to go somewhere. He and, almost beat the fucking Chiefs in the playoffs yeah, two years ago. No, he has a he has a playoff win for the Browns, which yeah. is crazy to say. That's the first one we've seen in our lifetime or since 1999 or whatever well, it is. Was it against the Steelers, no less? I think it was against the Steelers, yeah, yeah, the I think fucking so. arch rival. Yeah. Old Big Ben. I think that he, Baker, Baker Mayfield, I think that he set himself back last year playing through injury, um, not sitting out. And having extremely high expectations. Yeah, yeah. And there was no proof that that offense could go any further than it had previously. I mean, he wasn't doing anything world-changing out there, but he was – He's. The best quarterback we've seen in Cleveland in our lifetimes. Most definitely. It's not, you know, they haven't had too much to compare it to. I saw they? I saw something the other day that Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, and a few other guys that were drafted before him the year before, or they were 0-16 before he got there. All those, those guys are extreme talents. Miles Garrett, probably a top five defense player in the league. You can't win without a quarterback, you know, so... Yeah, exactly. But he got them to the playoffs, and he got them a playoff win. And one bad year injured. He wasn't great the year before. No, so, they won the playoff game. So the let year me before. ask you this: If you were Carolina, would you say, "All right, let's get Baker, and he's our plan moving forward"? Is that what you? Would, well, you he's think on that'd a, a one-year deal. That he's owed twenty million dollars this year. I'm sure you can get Cleveland to pay at least ten million. I would say closer to fifteen of that. You pay him five million dollars. You see how it goes. If you extend them, sure. You're done with Sam. You're off Sam Darnold after this year. If it works out, they also, yeah. They also drafted Matt Corral. Yeah, third. fuck Matt Corral, <laughs> dude. That guy's not going to be shit in the league. I've been saying that since the beginning of the year at Ole Miss last year when he was getting Heisman hype. So moving on. Sorry, I had to burp there. <laughs> moving on. Um, another quarterback that needs a new home, Jimmy G. Do y'all first of all? Do y'all think Jimmy G's better than Baker or worse? I think they're about the same. They're both coming off injuries. About the same. If you put Baker in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan, I think you'd see about similar production there. Uh, yeah, I maybe know, even man. a little bit I'm, more. Maybe I think, even a little bit more from Baker. I don't know, but Jimmy G, you know, he does know how to win, man. They, I, you know, whatever that means to you, they beat you know Green Bay in the frozen tundra, and they obviously beat our Cowboys, but. A lot of teams might have been able to do that. That they won despite Jimmy G. Right. He didn't win those games. But Baker's not the kind of quarterback who goes out there and wins you the game by himself. He can either. though. I haven't seen it much. He can. I mean, like, I guess, I guess. I'm not as high on Baker as some people. I'm not. Like I said, I don't like the guy. He's a Lake Travis guy. He's an Oklahoma guy. He. Everything's against him from your perspective. Yes, and I'm still willing. Despite his performance last year, and despite him coming out and saying all the things he always says in the media, I think that he, if he finds the right spot, it might not be Carolina. It might not happen this year. It might not happen next year. But put him in the right, in the right. I think Detroit. 
honestly. Put him with Dan Campbell. I think they're committed to golf. Another guy that has some shit in his neck. Another Texas guy, Dan Campbell. I'm pretty sure he went to A&M. I think him in Detroit would just—it would work. It would mesh. I don't, what do y'all think? Uh, you know, Detroit is in a complete rebuild. I um, I'm not sure if it would work out or not. Jared Goff, I think, is probably about another first overall draft pick that uh, it's, it didn't work out exactly with in uh, L.A. Despite him getting to a Super Bowl, uh, Garoppolo versus Mayfield. All I'll say on that is. Mayfield's got a higher ceiling and a much lower floor. I think Garoppolo is going to be much more consistent, though I think on average you're going to get about a similar level of production. What do you think, Corey? I agree with that perfectly. Um, Yeah, um, my philosophy on quarterbacks, like if I was a team builder, which we all know is going to happen one day when I become the GM of the Dallas Cowboys. Of course. um, When you marry marry into the Jones family? I'm actually the long-lost son of Jerry Jones. Oh, so you're one of those lawsuits. I am. How about some glory holes? It's coming down the pipe (laughs) soon, so. Nah, what was I going to say? Oh, um, so my philosophy is just like, if I do not have what I consider to be an absolute elite quarterback, and I'm going to put Dak in there. He's at the low end, but I'm going to put him in there. That's probably like the top seven guys in the league. If I don't have that, I'm not interested in really trying to win with anything else. Because just from what we've seen, when is the last time a quarterback who's not in that top echelon has actually been able to win the Super Bowl? And if they have, it was most likely through a generational defense leading them there. So if I don't have that guy, I'm not... Joe Flacco. Yeah, like I'm not really... That's a perfect example. But if I don't have that guy, I'm not really trying to get by with the 13th best, the 15th... Obviously, you know... You don't want to go 0 and 16 or 17. So if you got no quarterback, Baker Mayfield on a one year deal is a good option. I, I think it would work well for the Panthers because of that. But as far as long term, I would not be looking to lock him down to anything, which is unfortunate for him. But, you know, it's hard to make it in the league. So. All righty. Well, that brings us to the Cowboys portion of our NFL talk. Uh, you got any questions for us this week, Corey? Yeah. So um, reports coming out of. Um, Dallas, Texas this week saying Tony featured much more in the offense um, this coming year. I think for a lot of us who's been watching the team for a while, that's a uh, long overdue. We've been kind of waiting for that. So what do you think, Todd? Do you think it's actually going to happen, or do you think it's just sort of training camp reports that aren't really going to have that much merit? Um, I, I think he will be featured more. Uh, I saw the report, and it said that he would be playing more in the slot this year, which he played a lot at in Memphis and was very productive. And I, I thought more when he came out of the draft, I thought that we would use him more as a receiver, which we obviously do out of the backfield, but he'll be lining up at in trips, you know, in the inside. Uh so with him being on the field, that that allows us to use him and Zeke and have Zeke in there for pass rushing purposes or pass, pass protection blocking. purposes, which will help help us both ways. We'll have another speedy player, another guy that we've seen in the past two years just improve every every week. This guy, he could be a feature running back on 25 teams Easily. In, in the league. Easily. And he's sitting behind Zeke, who's been a disappointment the past few years. And I'm He's fell off, can't we say it? I don't. I still think he's got a, another solid three years in him if he dedicates himself to – if he dedicates his off-seasons to his body and to being mentally prepared and going in. But beyond dedicating his body, it, it has to be – in the film room, knowing... Staying healthy, too. Yeah. yeah. When you take the pounding like he has, and you're leading the league in rushes almost every year when he is healthy, 
you're you're not going to be able to stay on the field that long. I don't expect this guy to play till he's 30, 32 years old for us, but another two, three years, like I said. Yeah, and against San Francisco, Tony Pollard had four carries. Yeah, four carries. That. And the one drive when he was utilized, we scored a touchdown. He had two carries. One was about 15 yards. One was like it was another good run. Every time he touches the ball, like he's making plays, like if you actually watch him. Uh, and then they don't go back to him the rest of the game. That was in the first half. They don't go back to him. I'm hoping that It he... just blows my mind that they don't use the guy more. And I'm not – you know, a lot of people will say he's better than Zeke. I mean, there's different ways to evaluate running back play, but when you're just looking at who's going to get more out of their touches with the ball, like he's certainly done that over the past year. So he's he's warrants at least 50-50 split in touches, in my opinion. Well, the, the, the reason he hasn't completely overtaken Zeke as the feature back in the offense is the fact that we are paying Zeke, yes. what, like $18, $20 million? A lot. More than that, Way I too think. much. Way too much. Which, looking back on it, was a terrible deal, but we had to keep the guy. I Y'all mean, think that you said he would be a feature back on about twenty teams, but he's he's not twenty five twenty five teams. teams. Yeah, so only seven. So he's, you're saying there's basically seven running back situations where there would be a clear cut guy who would start over him. Do you feel like the Cowboys are one of those spots? No, I, I think but I definitely. Don't. I think at the end of last year, if you watched both of them and you thought that Zeke was playing better than Tony Pollard in the second half of the season, I think you need to get your eyes checked personally. I yeah. But that was hurt Zeke. That, right. That was... He had the PCL that he was playing through. He was, but if he's playing through, he injury, wasn't playing terrible last year. At the beginning of the year, he was playing quite well. But then towards the end of the year, it tailed off. And it's like if you know your guy's injured, like why are they not featuring this other guy who literally is busting out fifty-yard touchdown runs against the Saints and returning kickoffs when we're down and in the fourth quarter, like absolute playmaker. Yeah, I got you. Well, there were some more reports coming out of uh, Dallas this week. I saw that. The team also wants to feature Dak as a scram, more of a scrambling QB like they have in the past since he is not going to be injured this year, hopefully, coming into the season. What do you think about that? Um, I think a lot of it, you know, a lot of quarterback runs is kind of when a play breaks down, let's escape and make something happen. I think a lot of it last year was he had a whole offseason where he just returned from splitting his leg in half. He had the, the lat shoulder issue in training camp, and he had the calf strain. So it was like a culmination of everything. I know we talked about this before, but I, don't, I think he was just hesitant to run because he didn't trust his body. Um, if you remember the Seahawks playoff game that we won, remember all the runs he made tumbling over guys at the one-yard yeah. line? Like, that's what we need more. I don't necessarily need it in week four. Like, you know, I think that's more what they're talking about, yeah. though, is early season – Designed runs, even. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. I don't want it more than, like, we don't need it too much. You better much. learn how to slide. <laughs> we don't need it too much. I mean, keep my guy healthy first and foremost. But, yeah, I think the scrambling out of the pocket is where we could see some more of that uh, from him. I would like to see a bit more. But, again, I'd prefer him to stay healthy over anything. Sure. So, going back to his days at Mississippi State when he was a Heisman Trophy finalist, uh, back then he ran a lot. He was Tim Tebow pretty much. Yeah, no, and he was awesome. He was, you know, big guy. Uh, Sam, he reminded me a lot of Sam Ellinger, actually. I think he was better than Sam Ellinger. He was. Uh, it, but similar for, for playing a, style, similar, like, he was the offense. There wasn't, I think there was maybe some guys on defense on that team. There that, was, like, one NFL player on defense and, like, one on offense. Like, that's it. And, and that team went to number one in the country. Yeah, them and Ole Miss were one and two at one point. I remember that. Wow. Yeah. But continue your point, Shea. Well, I just haven't really seen that ability to run or that willingness maybe to run the football in the NFL. I get it's a different 
beast with much faster defenders who hit a lot harder, and he has had a little bit of injury uh, concern the last couple years. You said you mentioned the leg injury. Uh, so, I mean, as far as running the ball more, I that just adds another element to your offense. But I don't, I don't know that it's sustainable. And especially since I just haven't seen it when he was a young man in the league. Uh, now that he's getting a bit older, I know he was like a redshirt senior or at least a senior coming out of college. So he's not a, he's not a young man. And uh, guys like Russell Wilson, who ran more in their early career and then learned how not to be a running quarterback, yeah. I feel like that's the general trajectory of making it in this league, not learning how to run uh, You know, five years into your uh, – Yeah, I agree with I, that. I still want him to have the threat. I want defenses to know that he can run. Though. At the goal line, yes. Okay. All right, well, we're running a little long on this segment. Uh, we got to get into the College World Series next. Uh, I think we'll talk a little Longhorns baseball. We'll, we'll, we'll implement that into the, the College World Series talk. Uh, but we'll be right back with the Lone Star Lowdown. My dad told me when it comes to football in Texas, there's only one team. They played down in Austin. Saturdays in the fall at Daryl K. Royal. And we're back with the Lone Star Lowdown. I'm Shea Holton, going to fill you in on what happened with the Longhorns this last weekend, playing out in Greenville, North Carolina, against the East Carolina Pirates. 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 I thought maybe the Buccaneers, but they're the Pirates, uh, you know, home of Chris Johnson. Um. Anyway, Longhorns won the series. I'm not gonna, you know, hold out on y'all. Uh, after dropping Game One, which was uh, a really a, a good game until East Carolina blew it open late with five runs and I believe the eighth inning. Uh, the Horns dropped that game. I think twelve to seven. But then they came back down seven to two. Uh, just rallied back, man, uh, to win that baseball game. Great game. And, uh, you know, went up 8-7. Then they tie, got tied up on a, on the last at Duplantier, bat. Yeah. At the last at bat, gave up a solo shot. And then uh, Dylan Campbell uh, brought him home. Uh, that game featured, well, walk off by Dylan Campbell to win that game. That game featured a huge three-run home run by Skyler Messenger. Um, just just a, a game for the ages, really, as the Longhorns battled back. And I'll tell you what, those uh, announcers, I believe it was Greg Olson and one other guy for ESPN2, whatever the game was on, um, they were just sucking East Carolina's dick, man, ready to send them to the College World Series. It would have been, been, yeah. been their first appearance. Uh, they really had a raucous crowd out there in Greenville. They call it the jungle, lots of... Can we talk about that for a second, about the outfield situation? How dangerous that is? Yes! Oh, my God. There was at least one time I saw where a fan just grabbed a ball out of the out of the fucking play. So, so what if I do this? What if, and you know how there's fan interference and it's an out? What if it's, like, positive to you? Like, what if I interfere with my own player trying to make a catch that he probably wouldn't have made anyway? Is it still an out for the other team? Does it come down to what jersey I'm wearing? I have no idea. That, that's just something we can we, look for in the yeah, future. Yeah. But, no, yeah, uh, there was and there was that one ball that kind of bounced off both their gloves. That was that, that was game one, correct? Or was that I believe that two? was game one, yeah. yes. Oh, man, that was the moment where it really all fell apart for us. Oh, yeah. It was, it was Hodo and... Hodo and Staley, I believe. Yeah, didn't see each other coming. 
bounce right off them, right into the jungle. But that 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 uh, wall has to be less than like what five think, five five. I think it's about six feet. Six feet. No is what way, I heard. dude. There was people hanging off that thing. But I think they're maybe standing up over okay. it with their arms and batting, literally hey, batting on. Pretty them. cool setup, though. I I won't like. If the horns had that, I would be all in. Looks like people were getting, especially we. We'll get to game three, but people were getting with that rain delay. Imagine how drunk those people were out there after the they came back and ECU after Texas scored four in the first, ECU scored one in the bottom of the inning or in the bottom of the first. And I was watching; they were they looked like they had been drinking all day out there. They were hyped up. There had already been a rain delay of an hour on yeah. day three. Uh, a game where the Longhorns just the ECU didn't have the horses to compete with us on the third day. The Horns won eleven to one, but they jumped out to a four nothing lead using two pitchers before they even recorded an out. Yeah, and, oh, one um, out, one out. They got one out, which fucking David Pierce should have challenged that goddamn bunt. Okay, David Pierce sucks. He fucking hey. sucks at coaching decisions and he doesn't know when to challenge. Doesn't know when to take pitchers out. Doesn't know when to put pitchers in. The motherfucker is going to be the reason. Okay, losing Skip Johnson was was oh, big. I would much rather have Skip Johnson. Skip Johnson's badass and he's doing a great job at Oklahoma. Hey, he took Oklahoma to the College World Series. We're about to get into that full breakdown after we finish up the Longhorns yeah. here. But uh, yeah, ultimately, man, after that four run, that was what the thirty second uh, home run for. Ivan Melendez, you were telling me just last week that 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 would break a record for BB Core bats, right? Yeah, yeah breaks uh, Chris Bryant's record at 31 most homers since the BB Core era began. But yeah, and uh, and then there was about a five hour delay uh, before the game finally started up again. ECU did snatch one run back, and that was all they would have as we just punished those pitchers, man. We just punished them, and the crowd was gone. They had been out there all day. There was there were record breaking crowds both Friday and Saturday, but not so much in the rain on Sunday. Well, they ha- they had to kick some of the people out. Um, that they added seating so they could break the record, and that additional seating just turned into like a mud pit. Yeah. So all these people came. The people that did come back after the rain delay, they straight up just didn't let them in at the game. Yeah, and uh, and I told y'all that would be the, a big factor in this series. Whoa, was, was, I forgot about that, dude. Oh my gosh, Shay did say that. He yeah. predict. We even looked up the weather on the show. Yeah, but it was it was looking like Saturday would be the day, but I you know, that was a future weather model. I'm not gonna you know <laughs> I completely I forgot about that, dude. Uh anyway, um the Longhorns did win and punched their thirty eighth ticket to Omaha, you know, most ever, been to more than half of them. This will be the seventy fifth uh edition of the College World Series. It has it had to make us sweat a little bit for it though. Oh yeah, and I mean there was a time when the Texas Longhorns were down what, seven to two in like the fourth or fifth inning. Bro, they were down in the seventh. Yeah, yeah, that run started in the seventh to eighth inning. And you want me to tell you why? Why? Well, as you know, uh, Aubrey, who you you've seen single handedly win Super Bowls, and you know it's the reason the Astros won a World Series. I've got a, a magic dog. Well, the magic's kind of run out. Oh, really? But, but Ty, she had puppies, and one looks just like her. <laughs> And I, I knew when they were showing the little kids doing the horns down and they were just sucking those pirate dicks on the for the announcers, I knew something had to be done. And I went out and I snatched up that dog. His name's Copycat. <laughs> and he look, he's got the exact same pattern as Aubrey, but he's got these long spider monkey legs. Uh-huh. And me and that dog sat on the couch and we did not move. And we, I sat there and I rubbed that dog's belly knowing it would work. And they just started putting up the runs, boy. They started putting up the runs, and everything was going our way. Until, of course, Dylan Campbell, uh, not Dylan Campbell, the uh, the Pontier, the uh, the 
debacle. Hey, he almost I I when he was in for that inning, he pitched great the inning before. Um, but he came in and that's the last guy as a Texas from watching what I've seen this year of the baseball team and our bullpen, that was the last guy I wanted to see up there. there. Yeah. And anyway, bottom but of, yeah, continue, bottom of the continue. Night, the Longhorns are the home team because this is an NCAA regional and that's how it works. Uh the dog is just restless as hell and obviously has to piss. He's he's literally sitting there seeping piss on me. And I'm just <laughs> like, no, nah, we aren't getting the fuck up. We're staying right here for the fucking the duration of this game. And then, you know, obviously the Dylan, you know, they got the bases, I think, loaded or maybe runners on the corners. Uh, and when Dylan Campbell hit that ball, did you hear just the wind go out of the sails of those announcers? I don't know if you were watching it on no, television. I was listening to Craig call it. They acted like... They acted like it was going to be an out or like it didn't even matter. But like instead of just this crazy, oh, and he hits a double. No, they just like silence, <laughs> silenced Greg Olson and this other motherfucker. And then, you know, I let the dog up covered in piss myself and he just let let loose a man sized piss right there <laughs> on the floor. A winning piss, though. Oh, yeah. So needless to say, I got him back out for the next game and we just continued. And, like, literally, I was telling my girlfriend, Trisha that, you know, he's a magic dog. We have to keep him. We have to keep him. And, like, every time I literally put him down, like, we would just, oh, now all of a sudden the Longhorns are going down, you know, just 0, 3, 0 for 3 in the inning. And I just pick him, like, just the act of simply picking him up. It would spark put, something. We're just putting up runs and retiring outs. <laughs> so needless to say, uh, you know, I'm not saying I have the holy grail and it's going to lead us to a championship, but I can no longer watch a Longhorn baseball game without without that dog. Without that dog. Uh, you know, well, like hell yeah. Like if I if I if I go to Omaha, I'm about to bring him with me and shit. Smug, <laughs> smuggle him in. Get some service dog certifications going or something like that. Bring uh, him in the stadium. Oh yeah. So anyway, enough enough of all that. Let's talk uh, about the rest of the field and let's start just with uh, who we're playing. Notre Dame Friday, I believe it's six. Seven yes, Eastern, correct. six o'clock. It's gonna be the second game of the day, and uh, I guess let's just talk a little bit about this Notre Dame team. Uh, Corey, I know you were telling me you had some some good insight on them. Why don't you lay it on me, man? Yeah, well, I think it's a good matchup for Texas, right? Uh, it's about the best case scenario, you know, when we were matched up to possibly play the Tennessee Volunteers, who are widely considered the best team in the nation, and rightfully so. Um, they have a few future top prospect first round picks picks uh in their bullpen and that they used to start tennessee yeah tennessee okay yeah. i thought you were talking i know i thought i just wanted to clarify for the certainly listeners. not you're texas. not talking about you're not talking about notre dame oh no 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 this is tennessee um yeah and um notre dame kind of they, they had a similar path to us, us but it was their game three uh they were down three to one entering the seventh inning and really they kind of had like a fluky home run i don't want to call it that they got to get on first it was a uh, the guy had only hit one home run all year i think it was their seventh or eighth hole hitter and he goes oppo with this like slicing home run that just barely goes over the fence and around the the foul pole I think the fence was 320 it must have been 321 feet um that tied up the game and then right after that they had a solo shot to left and just closed out the balls um Kyle Peterson who was on the call for whatever network I guess it must be ESPN he said this is one of the best teams to never win a national championship in college baseball. So we're avoiding them. So I guess that's a good thing. Um, hey, we beat them once this year. One and zero against Tennessee. Yeah. Oh yeah. We yeah. were the number one team back then, though. Oh yeah. <laughs> Who knows? They learned man. it from us. I don't even know. Like, 
you know college baseball anyone could win like they are saying that Tennessee is so good but anyone could win but anyway, anyone can lose we shouldn't lose. we shouldn't take them for granted just, oh I'm certainly not uh, Notre Dame that is yeah, yeah, yeah. they did just beat the number one team in the right. nation look but, go ahead Ty I was just gonna say they're coming off a huge emotional high um it's could be set up for a low yeah that's what I'm thinking from my personal sports stories or what I've been a part of what do I wa- I've watched coming off a high like that you're you're gonna have a big letdown at least in the first game so I'm I'm looking for that to happen and it's arguable that Texas has one of the hottest offensive units still left in the tournament Skylar Messenger is hitting 500 in the, in the in the postseason like he was he is unbelievably hot the, right the now. regional uh the Austin regional uh most valuable player and the Greensboro most fashion or most valuable player so deliver us um so yeah I'm a little bit worried about this John uh, Bertrand guy. I, I'm pretty sure he's their frontline starter, man. Yep. He's pretty fucking good. Um, as well, they're uh, fielding the ball really well at 980. They got 78 steals. This is all Notre Dame. Three players with double-digit home runs and some good, you know, like I said, good speed along the base path. They got through the uh, Coral Gables uh, regional, get beating, I think, Texas Tech twice and Miami. And yes, obviously they uh, got through Knoxville, which uh, is very impressive, beating the odds-on favorite. Most people were picking that team to win the whole thing. Uh, am I? And so I, I'm, I don't. I'm kind of indifferent on the found who we're playing. I think we'll beat them no matter what. Uh, Pete Hansen will be out there. That's that's what I know for sure. And he didn't have a great start against East Carolina. He'll be looking to. He's not going to that. He's not going to have back to back bad days like that. He can't. He can't. Basically, that's that's all I really know for sure. Uh, you know, th- I haven't I haven't watched a lot of this Notre Dame team play, uh, so I'm excited to see uh, what they've got for us. And uh, it's uh, I, I noticed deeper in their lineup they don't have they don't have a bunch of good pitchers. They just have that one really strong day one starter who I believe also beat Tennessee. They also uh, came on. They they got hot late in the season. I think that they finished in the ACC with like a fifteen and eleven record or fifteen and ten, similar to ours in the Big Twelve. Um, but they were not a team halfway through the year that people thought would be making a back to back appearance in the College World Series because they were in it last year. No, but uh, <clears throat> they really are a good defensive team though. If you watch them against the balls, they turned like three or four double players plays. Their third baseman is very impressive. So like I think that's more of their style. I was looking in Texas. Uh, Texas finished the year third in home runs. Tennessee was number one. Uh, but Notre Dame's not in the top 50. So that's not really their strong suit. They're not – I mean, they did – anyone can hit the long ball, obviously. But offensively, we should certainly have the advantage. Um, so That plays well into Pete Hansen's pitching style. Uh, right. And that's contact. what I worry he's about. He's got trouble with the long ball. I worry about our yeah. pitchers. No, I'm saying he's good He's good at getting out, like, it, outs in the field. Mm-hmm. Make me feel better about our pitching staff, guys, as we move forward against hey, these other teams. Make me feel better. Um, well, Lucas Gordon uh, had a decent decent game, and uh, Tristan, Stevens, Tristan Stevens had a great Sunday. I mean, he he pitched most of that game, held the one run, and then the bullpen came in and closed it out. Uh, that, that's a great confidence builder for Tristan. He could even see himself starting a third game. I think he's still more vital coming out of the pen in high leverage relief situations, but you got to love that confidence booster going into the but college he, world series. He's a guy that, say, Pete Hansen goes seven in the in game one. We can bring him in for an inning and a half, two innings, and close out, start. and start him on and t- 
the game three scenario later down the line. Especially because there's a day in between games, the College World Series, at least at this in the regional bracket yeah. side. So there's just a lot more rest. And even I mean, even a guy like Pete Hansen could potentially come in in a closing situation, uh, say game three, you yeah. know, just because that would be so many days later, almost to where he would be ready to start again. But um, so yeah, this Texas Notre Dame game, I, I'm excited about it. Uh, obviously, Texas and Notre Dame have a history playing football and whatnot, so I'm excited to see them play baseball. Let's talk about uh, OU and uh, A and M, who are the other two teams in our side of the bracket. Um, the OU, OU, we're pretty familiar with them. They were the Big 12 tournament champions. They beat us in that game pretty handily. Be funny. You know, they uh, went through the games. They had to beat Florida two out of three times. Um, and they just have, have a pretty good team. They steal the living shit out of bags, man. 142 total stolen bases for Skip Johnson's squad. Sounds like the, the Longhorns of old. Yeah, they've Doggy got... Doggy ball. They've got a, a really good relief pitcher in Trevin... Or in... Trevin Michael, uh, they're an average feeling, fielding team, uh, a couple of good home run hitters, two in, with 20-plus, a guy Peyton Graham and Tanner Treadway, a couple sluggers on the team, though Graham is a liability with 13 errors on the year. Uh, you know, this is a team coming alive late. Uh, a lot of people thought they even should have got a regional. They've played good baseball, and they can manufacture runs. Uh, Skip Johnson's a great coach. And uh, they'll be playing A and M, uh, who they just beat Louisville in two sets. They were the first team to punch their ticket to the College World Series, uh, and that was a very good Louisville team as well. Uh, Schlossnagel in his first season coming from Texas Christian. Can you say that one more time? Schlossnagel. Okay, got it. That was good. Um, good enunciation, man. Yeah. Uh, two two home, two players with double digit home runs. They got a really good uh, guy, Jack Moss. He's batting three ninety one, and um, damn three ninety one. Yeah, how many uh, homers has he got? Uh, I don't have that right up in front of me. Yeah, no his complete stats, but I think he probably almost certainly was one of the guys with the double digits. Uh, a couple decent guys coming out of the pen, and an ace starting pitcher. Uh, they're a below average fielding team with three players uh, with double digit errors, but uh, they're very they're they're very successful on the base path. They have seventy eight steals with a high efficiency. Uh, I'm interested to see who comes out of that first game. Obviously for the Longhorns, I mean, who would y'all rather see? Oh, give me A and M. Yeah, give me A and M. A and M. I mean, I think I think A and M is the better team out of the two. Um, I, I mean, they're higher ranked, which obviously doesn't matter that much. But I would love to beat their ass in the College World Series. Nothing, we, nothing would make me happy. When's the last time we had like you know a Texas versus A and M game that means something? I think it'd be you know. And I hate, and when I say hate, I mean in every sense of the word. A and M fans, man, oh, they yeah. are just the worst. They must be what other people feel when they talk about Cowboys fans. I wouldn't <laughs> know because I'm on the good side. They're worse. They're worse. They, they must be worse. But anyway, yeah, I'd love to get shit out of them. Any, any more A and M? No, nah, not really. I mean, they took two of three from Arkansas, and they dropped two of three to, against Ole Miss. Those are some teams on the other side of, and and uh, dropped two of three to Auburn. Those are uh, some other some teams on the other side of the bracket. They did beat Texas early on this year in a weekday game, so yeah. you know, no top end pitchers were used. Uh, just a lot of SEC schools making it to the tournament to the college world series this year uh, i mean very surprising that tennessee didn't otherwise 
I think every school except Stanford would have either would be an SEC or future SEC squad. Notre Dame. Oh yeah, Notre Dame. Sorry, they, so they, they don't even. Six. They're too good for a conference. They don't need one. They just hang out apparently. Yeah, yeah, and they play in the ACC in baseball though. In basketball. Oh. Yeah, so I mean, oh, it's just, just football. football they're independent. Yeah, yeah uh, that's the only sport where you can really do that, and you know, pretty lame. They are Notre Dame. Uh, so that does it for that first side of the bracket. Uh, I've got some something on uh, the other the other side if you want to hear it. Yeah, just give give us like your general rundown. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think it starts and ends with Stanford. Man, they've got a just a murderer's row batting lineup with some good starting pitchers. Uh, they played a tough schedule out west, beating the likes of Oregon State, UCLA. Um, they uh, took out the the Bobcats in their home regional. And uh, they almost weren't even here. They almost didn't even make it to the super regional, man. Yeah, but they had to, you know, they had to go through it, having not having lost to you know them in the second game of that regional. So that shows their grit. Uh, I I think they're I think they're the heavy favorite to come out of that side of the bracket, man. And they've got six players with double digit home runs, and I think I saw 117 total. Uh, a couple, two guys with 20 plus, and uh, Brock Jones and Connor Graham. Um. Anyway, so they're 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 a good they're a good squad, man. Uh, Auburn, a team I don't really feel like should be there. I didn't think like they deserved a regional, but they got one anyway. OU early on in the year dropped two or three to Ole Miss, took two or three from both A and M, LSU, and Vanderbilt. Uh, dropped two out of three to Arkansas and Tennessee. So they've played a lot of good squads. Um, definitely a surprise squad this season. Um, a very close series against Oregon State, and th- those three games were decided by four total runs. And you know, so that that's just some very close baseball edging out a very good squad uh, up in Oregon. Just the rundown, and that was very good. I appreciate you for that one. But I do have a question. As a lifelong Texas fan, where do you rank, Mister? the Hispanic Titanic Ivan Melendez. Like, how good is he in the pantheon of Texas Longhorn baseball players? Well, um, we'll get back to Old Miss and uh, the last Sorry, I the jumped in there and kind of threw the curveball, but, but I was no, interested no. to know. No, 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 I just, I just wanted to – we will jump back in. Uh, we'll talk a little Ivan Melendez real quick. Yeah, um, probably the single greatest hitter. Uh, or at least season, most of the badass players for Texas have been pitchers, man. Uh, that's really what the program's been. Like a Kurt Schilling or something? Yeah. Um, I I would I would really need to go look and tell you exactly, but I'm pretty sure most all those dudes whose numbers have been retired, uh, I'm talking about um, Scott and Kieschnick and uh, uh, obviously Roger Clemens, uh Wait, dude, I said Schilling. He didn't go to Texas, did he? I don't think Kurt Schilling. Okay, did I was go to thinking Texas. of Clemens. My bad. It's yeah. another C last name. But. That's all right. Um, I would uh, I would like to be a little better prepared for this question, just to, to really, because I really haven't thought about it. But it's it, an interesting one, though, huh? I'm gonna tell. I'm not gonna tell you about shit I didn't get to see and just you know had to learn about yeah. uh, retrospectively. I'll tell you right now. Uh, in the it's probably been close to 15 years of. Going to uh, going to most Texas Longhorn baseball games, literally growing up at the dish and shit like that, and I've never seen anybody hit the ball as well, or uh, hit the home hit home runs as uh, as proficiently. You know, we've had some good 
uh, batters. Uh, Eric Weiss, I think, had a season when he was batting 400, and that was that was great. But to to go from what he did last year, which was incredible, and he only had like 13 home runs to 32 and counting. Uh, and you know, I've seen guys like Cody Clemens. Cody Clemens ain't shit compared to Ivan no. Melendez. I mean, uh, that's a tall it's not, order. It's just not comparable. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of guys like Kevin Keys. Uh, you know, Brandon Belt was a good hitter. Um, I can think of a lot of good players that have played that I've seen throughout their entire careers. Uh, and I think that Ivan Melendez is is the most polished hitter. I mean, I've, he's arguably the best hitter in the country, right? I mean, he's going to win what the Golden Spikes Award. I, I mean, National Player of the Year or whatever. I don't know if that is National Player of the Year because there's definitely a pitcher's award. Yeah. That uh, and I just don't know what the awards are for baseball because it's not good coverage. But Ivan Melendez is definitely the the best. And honestly, I'll tell you what, guys like Murphy Staley and Skyler Messenger would be right up there in some of the best batters I've ever hit. They're just batting in the shadow of the big Mexican man. Yeah. So back to the College World Series, that other bracket. We've also got the. Arkansas, the uh, the Omahogs, um, and and they've just gotten hot late. Um, you know, another SEC squad. Uh, not de- not really a great batting order. Only two players hitting above three hundred. Uh, average, you know, b- above average fielding, and uh, uh, above average frontline starters. Connor, Connor Noland, but they've got a really good bullpen, and they've been able to win some games. Uh, as well, Ole Miss, another um, stalwart of the College World Series. They make it a lot. They've yet to actually win. A, well, actually, no, I'm sorry. Arkansas has yet to actually win a College World Series. I had to look back at Ole Miss. Uh, they have just gotten hot in the postseason. They've won five in a row. Uh, they've beaten Arizona, Miami, and uh, Southern Miss. Uh, they've yet to lose in the tournament. Not They're, the toughest super regional or regional, though, in my opinion. No, but... Uh, a below average hitting team. They're batting 279, uh, but five players with double digit home runs. And uh, their best player is a guy named Tim Elko. He's got uh, 22 home runs. They've got almost no base running to speak of, and a lack of a lack of a top end starting pitcher. But uh, a above average bullpen, and they're willing to basically bring anybody out of the pen. Man, they got a guy uh, Josh Mallets who uh, starts for them, comes in, uh, does it all. And uh, they've got uh, – their fielding is not a strong suit as well with multiple players with 10-plus errors. But, uh, yeah, it basically does it. I think I would still expect Stanford to come out of that side and, uh, you know, play Texas. All right. So we got predictions here. I, I'm guessing we all predict Texas to win the whole thing or want Texas to win. Well, it, and it, it's our, do our wants – uh, that come out of our heart have it, or are they any different than our what our brain thinks here? Well, I got, I got Texas winning it all. Well, man, honestly, when I went and looked at like the on paper, because you know most of these these uh, breakdowns are are from me looking at their you know the the, the box scores, the stats on paper, their schedules, uh, team stats. That's you know, I haven't had a chance to watch all these schools religiously. I don't think anybody really can. I don't think anybody out there. Maybe if you're getting paid a lot of money just to follow college baseball and bet on it, maybe you are. But uh, nobody really knows. But when you look at it, you look at the numbers, you look at our starting pitchers, you look at our hitters, you look at our fielding, they're the best. 
in all of the all the College World Series. They're the best left. I you know I didn't really take a deep look at Tennessee and how good they were doing. They might have had better numbers. They might have made us you know they might have taken something from us. But mm-hmm. we yeah like Pete Hansen was is as good on paper as any other pitcher in this College World Series. Our hitters are better. We have seven players with multiple digit home runs. I mean, double-digit home runs. Uh, you know, we have an incredibly high uh, fielding average, 986. That was the highest. Still not as high as I'd like it to be. Uh, but the only thing is we only have 53 steals, which, you know, compared to Oklahoma, that's not very many. But that's still more than a lot of the Completely other Completely different style of ball. Exactly. Yeah. That's just – we hit the long ball. We don't, we don't want to risk uh, outs on the base path. And we're actually a, a very poor – base running team in my opinion that's our one weakness that if we can just not hemorrhage any outs on the base path and lose any runs that way you know there's no reason we we shouldn't at least be in the championship if not win it okay and my prediction for the other side of the bracket i got arkansas coming out okay omahogs Corey, you as far as the other side yeah i'm guessing you have texas coming out of yeah i mean there's no way you know we like to kind of separate our hearts and our brains but in certain situations you know it's just not going to happen. But I think the case for Texas is very strong anyway. So, obviously, I'll go Texas, and I'll go Stanford as well. Um, I think Arkansas is their biggest threat, um, but I'm going to go Stanford. I think they're just a more well-rounded, deeper team in general. And that other side of the bracket's easier, in my opinion. I think A&M's going to be a tough matchup for us, man. Like, you know, I hate well, they to gotta say that. they got to beat OU first. They, they know how to win baseball games this year. So. Schlossnagel doesn't know how to make it to the cha- to the final in Omaha. He's been, I think, six times. This will be the sixth trip, and he's never been to the final. I wouldn't be surprised if they choked. So I wouldn't be surprised if they lost, honestly, before they got to us. Oh, yeah, we might not even get A&M. And that's a, there's, a, there's a good chance we don't play Oklahoma or A&M. Like, there's a very small chance we play them both, based on how the brackets work. Yeah. I mean, well... Y'all got anything else before we wrap this whole thing up? Well, why don't you tell us what's going on in the NHL? Uh, well, we the the Stanley Cup hasn't started yet, but we have the Tampa Bay Lightning who punched their ticket uh, against the New York Rangers uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. They won four to two after going down two zero. Everyone thought they were done for, dead in the water. But hey, the three peat is alive, and we got the Avalanche who have been waiting for them after sweeping Edmonton in the semis. Uh, you man. think that time off's gonna affect them? No, man. They're they're a machine. If they they they're an offensive machine, they play fast. They they want to take as many shots as they can on goal, and that's completely different than what uh, the Lightning play. They play more traditional style defense, hard nose, tough on the boards. Um, Vasilevsky, I think it's how you pronounce it. The goalkeeper for the Lightning has been. Hot as ever in the last few series. He's he held the the Rangers, I think, to two goals in the last two games. I, I, listeners can fact check me on that. We're not we're not the the NHL information podcast here. We're just letting y'all know what's going on. But yeah, I'm gonna stick to my guns. I got the Lightning winning the series. Uh, we'll have a better idea next week when we when we talk though. I'll take Lightning in seven. Okay. Um, and yeah, we'll just keep y'all abreast, y'all. Have any I'll go. I'll go Lightning in six. All right. I'll go Avalanche in six. I think they're they've been the best team all year. They've been the odds-on favorite to win the Stanley Cup since about halfway through the season. I think when I checked. So um, I'll roll with Vegas on this one. You mean Colorado? Oh, you're Colorado. rolling with the, you're rolling. Okay, I got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I'm rolling with Vegas. Who Colorado and how many? Uh, six. Six. Okay. Cool. 
So um, we'll be able to bring you all that for the coming weeks. But yeah. something to look forward to. And I'm sure we'll talk a little uh, live tour, a little golf next week. We'll talk a little MLB. We didn't get to that this week. Well, we have an NBA champion next next yes, episode. Yes, we will. So we'll talk about that. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to start getting into uh, – so we're going to go division by division in the NFL and have a – Breakdowns, just a breakdown, some some predictions. Uh, who who's new on you know who's new on the team? Who they who left? Some yeah, just some catch you up some, NFL primer kind of some stuff. fantasy football action yeah, too. Some good old heat of the summer sports talk. Uh, I'm sure we'll have the NFL, the NBA drafts next week too. We'll, we'll maybe be able to preview or uh, talk about what happened if depending on when we record next week. Yeah, but real quick, I just uh, want to plug the socials. Check us out uh, on Twitter at Lone Star LD. Instagram, Lone Star Lowdown, and TikTok, Lone Star Lowdown. So we're going to be trying to pump out the content there, funny videos, things of that nature, you know, try to keep it fresh. So follow us on those if you are on social media. Yes, and our website as well, thelonestarlowdown.com. You'll be able to find any links to your preferred social media um, platforms, and you'll be able to access our podcasts on Spotify and SoundCloud, iTunes, soon. We're not we're not a hundred percent on that. Hopefully we get that figured out tomorrow. Uh but yeah, that does it for me, Ty Henderson. Uh this is Shay Holt. Corey Gidry. And we are the Lone Star Lowdown, and we'll see y'all next week. Everybody's up. Hey Ross, sauce it up. I'm afraid of being average. And I'm battling it every day. I'm stuck in a loop. Round and round we go. Everybody's up. Sometimes I bring you the moon tonight. Something by the way.